You know, he didn't come because we were in the building. He came because we worshiped him. And, and you know, uh, I just want to just, I want you to understand something. And I'm going to start off in a, it seems like a negative way, but you need to understand the spirit world. When there was one family on the earth and you have the oldest son, you have Cain and Abel, the devil could not kill any of them unless he worked through somebody. The devil, who was a murderer, could not kill Cain or Abel, nor touch Adam and Eve, but he had to find somebody to flow through out of jealousy. Now, understand the scripture. God is searching throughout the earth for somebody to show himself strong through. The devil is looking throughout the earth to find somebody to show himself wrong through. And God would like somebody to represent him. Reuben, you stop that now. Okay. Now, you have to, in other words, do you understand in the spirit realm, it has to come, it has to come through us. I don't, I don't know what's happened to that Amish boy. <laughs> he was always like this, okay. Whoa, that's good. I will tell you, and, and just in all seriousness, there's coming a new wine. There's coming a new wine. Do you realize in the world people can't have fun until they're drunk? It's the same in church. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. I, as we were doing the altar and, and, I, and the ministry that was going on here, I just want to say that the greatest revival is going to have to be marked by the greatest passion the church has ever had. We are actually going to have to come under the influence of heaven to break the power of hell. And I mean that we start entering into ridiculous faith. Ridiculous faith does not mean it's stupid faith. It means you just can't, you can't explain it till the miracle comes. You can never explain a miracle. You can only sponsor them. And, and I really believe some of you are going into such an encounter with God that when you leave his presence, you're more like him than you were like you. When Moses... When, when he was playing the shofar, do you know where the first sound of that was? Where was it? When? Well, it's, wasn't it when God called him into the glory cloud? So the first shofar ever blown was not blown by a man, probably by an angel, and it was God's invitation for Moses to step in to the glory after having led people out of Egypt. 
And so what we're having, again, in the new covenant, God is saying, before you go into your promised land, you need to step in to my glory. And so this is what's happening through the worship and what's going on tonight. So we're stepping in to the glory. And some of you are just going to, it's going to come in different ways to different ones of you. And, and I felt like this, I felt like God said, I'm dropping the helmet of salvation over people. Have you ever heard this, the, the helmet of salvation? Like in the Roman days, when you drop the shield over the face, the devil does not know if it's Jesus or you coming because you're hidden Christ. So when the devil said to the sons of Sceva, I know Peter, I know Jesus, but who are you? It's like somehow when Peter dropped that shield, like Peter and Jesus sort of become one. And they had authority over those demons. And so when you get ready to fight the devil, just drop your Jesus shield. And when Moses came down the mountain, what he didn't know, there was more glory on him than he was aware of. Some of you just went into a glory shift tonight. Reuben's still shifting. I think he's in fourth gear going for overdrive. <laughs> just do this to Reuben. Just Now, <laughs> this is interesting. Uh, I'm going to just talk about this book a little bit. How many of you have ever heard of the prayer of Jabez? Okay, what I want to tell you is, it was not just a prayer, it was an identity shift. His mother called him a name that rhymes with pain. Now, how would you like your mother to call you pain? How many of you know that is a little bit hurtful? I appreciate that. We don't know what, what caused her to bring that name up, but I'm going to say this. Pain will try to define the, the, the depth of your destiny. It actually will limit. If the devil can hurt you in an area, he can take part of the dream away from you that God determined to give you. And if you have a failure, you start seeing yourself as a failure. Now the event becomes your identity and you'll not sign up for anything great because you see yourself as failure, okay? So what I want to talk about here tonight, just a little part, and I want to leave you in some declarations because I feel there's so much that we need to cover tonight in this realm. And in the back of this book, I have a list of declarations, and I want you to become very comfortable with this. God honored Jabez's request. First of all, what I want to say to you, if you don't ask for more, you'll never get more. The Bible says you have not because you... Now, why would that be? If God knows you need more, why would he want you to ask for more? Because that means there's actually a relationship involved. I will tell you this, I don't care what anointing you carry, it will never go to the, to the, the in, intended level unless it's marked with intimacy with Father God. 
John, John 14, 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. You don't need to meet the Father in heaven. You need to meet him on earth. Jesus came so we could meet the Father now, not when we die. And what Jesus said, he said, when Philip said to him, show us the Father, what did Jesus say? Philip, you've been with me this long. Don't you know that when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? And he said, if you don't believe that, believe it because of the miracles I do. What I'm saying to you, your oneness with the Father is your authority for miracles. When you start seeing yourself one with the Father, and listen, you were made in the image and likeness of God for several reasons. But one of the reasons is this, you were made so he could fit in you and you could fit in him. The Bible says that he abides in us Jesus abides in us, but Jesus abides in the Father, and the Father abides in Jesus. When Jesus comes into you, so does the Father. You still have the Holy Spirit. I can't explain it all. I just know it's in the Bible. And all I want to say is, when the Father starts abiding in you, miracles become a normal part of your life because that's what he does. He does great things every day. Miracles are the way he thinks. It's the way he moves and I will say this to you, we have a generation of Greek and Roman mindset. The only way we're going to break through the religious spirit and the spirit of atheism is miracles, power, and glory. The heart of God, the love of God, and the miracles of God. But know this, the miracles Jesus did did not change all of the Pharisees and Sadducees because there's something very interesting. If you don't want truth, nothing is good enough. But it makes you decide what side of the fence you're on. So what he said, he said, God, he said, I'm asking you for more. Now, first of all, when you start asking God for more, what you're doing, you're honoring him because you're making him the source. If I start saying, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that so I can have more, I'm making my ability the source. But if I'm asking him, that means he's my source. So if he's my source, he gets all the glory. So, you know, we have to be very careful. If we fast for 40 days and we end up in a powerful ministry, don't present it as if you fasted 40 days to get this powerful ministry. 40 days is what it took for you to get out of your flesh to receive what God would give you freely. Now, some of you could do it in three days fasting. Some of you need to fast 40 days. But don't you think that person earned it? They just got in a place where their receiver worked. And some people believe they have to fast 40 days to have a powerful ministry. So if that's you, get skinny, get it, and get over it, and go on. But freely receive and freely give. But you will not earn the glory God is going to give you. You can only receive it. That's why we do a lot of this. Because this kind of worship makes it easy to catch what heaven throws. Are you with me? The question is not how much can you achieve, it's how much can you receive. 
So let's go on. So Jabez, he's not a failure, he's, but he's asking for more. Everybody say more. Okay, so what happens, literally, God desires to give us the longing of our hearts. He wants to give us the longing of our hearts, but he wants to mature the relationship. And when we start to ask him for more, that means we have to come closer to him. He designed us to display him in a unique way. Do you know that your, your part, if you took all the body of Christ and put it together, you'd have all of Jesus except for the head. He retains that. There would be nothing missing if everybody would do their part. Isn't that true? We're the body of Christ. That's not just a euthism. That's a reality. The Bible says keep on asking, keep on knocking, keep on seeking. One of the things that happens, I don't care how long I go to church, but worship always means heaven connects to my heart. I, it always lifts me up. It always does something to me. Singing does not, but worship does. Worship is life-changing because we go into the mountain like Moses. We come down with more glory than we, we thought we would. And so, but I want to keep on going. And it says, Jabez prayed for his success. Now, some of you, that's, how many of you know praying for your success can feel self-centered? How many of you would pray for somebody else to have the love of Jesus, but you wouldn't pray for yourself to have the love of Jesus? If you're going to pray for somebody else to have the love of Jesus, you ought to pray for yourself the same thing. If you pray for somebody else to succeed in life, I'm talking about destiny, then you ought to pray for yourself the same way because why would you say a prayer for somebody else you wouldn't say for yourself? So I want you to just, we're, I just want you, we're going to get into this at the end, I want you to think about it for a little bit. And how many of you know that a lot of us, we want to be humble? But do not confuse humility with stupidity. I don't want to ask God to help me succeed because I want to be humble. That's not humble, that's stupid. Because he is the one that gives us power to get wealth. He is the one that gives us the anointing for miracle and glory. And when you ask him for those things, it's like making him look like he's a good God that he is. What you receive is not based on your goodness, it's based on his. You're not asking him these things because you're so good. You're asking because he is so good. Actually, what God's going to do, he's going to be so good to you, you're going to say something. You're going to say, God, you've been so good to me. Whatever you want from my life, you have. And God said, finally, we got him. He's Jehovah sneaky, tricky. And what he does, he's being so good to you, giving you everything you're asking for, so finally you'll ask him what he wants from you. See, you want, uh, uh, Lord, I'm asking for that job, that wife, that husband, that car, the this, the that. Look what you've done for me. God, is there anything I can do for you? He said, yes, lock in now. We got them. How many of you know with your children, you do everything for them? When you have a baby, you don't look at the baby and say, would you take out the trash? You're changing their diaper. Are you with me? You feed them. But you're looking forward to the day when you can look at your son and say, uh, you're hoping you, your son would say to you, can I mow the yard, Dad? Yes, you can mow the yard. 
when the son starts to ask what he can do for the father, that is where the relationship turns. Listen, when God is raising you up, he'll do this for you, he'll do that for you. Then he says, now I'd like you to do some things for me. Then it goes to the third level. He said, now I'd like to do things through you. I'd like to give that person a miracle. Would you let me do it through you? I would like to bring this revelation. Can I do it through you? I'd like to change the way somebody sees himself. Would, can I do it through you? I'd like to counsel that person and break off bondage. Can I do it through you? Everybody say, Father, do it through me. Now, see, that's really his goal. So we were made in his image and likeness so that we can abide in Christ and Christ abides in us. It's a double level of living in oneness. He abides in me, I abide in him. You will never do anything great unless you're abiding. And if you live in him and he lives in you, then what happens, he comes through you in marvelous ways. Don't ever limit yourself to your natural abilities. You're only limited by his abilities. So, so in this, I just want to talk about this for a minute. I'm going to pull this up out of my book. God has put godly desires into your identity to empower your decisions to pursue your destiny. Do you realize when God put an identity in you, it has desires? Some of you, you're made a worshiper, but out of that identity, you not only want to worship him, but you want to help lead other people into worship. It's not just what you do, it's what you inspire other people to do. But if you don't worship, if you're just singing, or you'll lead people in singing, but if you're worshiping, you lead them into the spirit. Remember, when Moses came down the mountain and he said, Joshua, Joshua said, what's that sound in the camp? You know what he said? It's the sound of singing. All of God's people were singing around a golden calf. There was not one bit of worship, just singing. Don't let us ever have singing in our church. Let's not make singing our golden calf. Let's always keep it worship. I mean, this, these are critical issues. I, I've learned, I like certain songs, but I want to worship with them. I don't want to just like them. Are you with me? Okay, okay. Now, how many of you know that, that Samuel never lived long enough to see his greatest prophecy? I believe I'm going to live past 13 years, but some people only want to prophesy what they think they're going to be around. Samuel called David to be the next king of Israel. He never lived to see it, but he was looking over heaven, and God said, look at that word come to pass. Best word you ever gave. See, Samuel gave both Saul and David an opportunity, but only David said yes. David wanted to be right before God. Saul wanted to be honored by the people. Let's get that spirit of Saul out of the church. I don't want the honor of man. I want the honor of God. But we need to learn how to honor each other. But I'm, I'm, it's first from him, second from people. The reason we need to honor each other is because if our Father does, so shouldn't we. 
We honor each other, but we don't worship each other. We only worship him. But if we don't learn how to honor each other, we'll never bring the best out because God sings over us, he honors us, and we should at least agree with him. And so if he loves the world, we need to love people that aren't lovable. And remember, sometimes that's you. <laughs> sometimes it's me. Maybe not. Maybe I'm always lovable. I don't know. What do you think, honey? Okay. She's saying no. Okay. Break rejection. I bring it. Okay. Okay. We're good. No, that's just honest. Listen, it takes a miracle to live with yourself, let alone somebody else. It's the truth. It takes a miracle of God's love. So Jabez called on God. He desired to live a life of honor. How many of you want to bring a life of honor to God? Now, how about you want to bring more honor than what you're presently doing? So what you need to do is you need to start asking God for more. And we know the prayer. It says that God blessed him with more. We don't know how, what. He enlarged his territory. He gave him more because he asked for more. How many of you have ever been at McDonald's and they say, fries, drink? They said, do you want to supersize it? I just want to tell you, don't do it. Don't do it. Especially at my age, when you're young like this, you can do it. But at my age, supersizing it will supersize me. And so, <laughs> and I don't want to go there, you know. I'm working on that. My wife is working on me too. So, but how many of you know you want more in God? So more is just a prayer away. And what I want to say to you is never be satisfied. Always want more. Always want the best of heaven because God likes people who want more of him. Can, can you imagine? Can you imagine Moses after striking the rock Twice, getting mad at the people. I just want to tell you this. If you get mad with the people, you don't honor God, you could lose part of your destiny. Not, not, not sin with the devil, but you get mad at people. How many of you ever got irritated with people? Okay, don't raise your hands. This is not a poll. We know all of us have. And it's either in church, on the road, uh, somebody at the store, somebody cuts in front of you at the restaurant when it's a long line. Have you ever had that happen? Or somebody picks up what you were planning to get off the buffet. They swoop it up and it's the last piece. I mean, these things, I'm telling you, the devil's in all of this. But anyway, but in it, the deal is if you're not offended, you're blessed. You're blessed. Now, what I was making a point here. What was the point? <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> You started laughing, I lost my point. It's, no, I don't know. What was the point I was going after? <laughs> Pastor Yuri, you're going to help me. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. Don't get angry with people. But listen, this is Moses. Now, that, this is a point. So God says to Moses, because you didn't honor me before the people. Listen, when you get angry, you don't honor him and represent him to people. And he said, because of that, you can't go in the promised land. It says in the scripture that Moses begged him, please let me go in. Please let me go in. And God said, no way. He said, but I will do this. I'll let you see it. And I can see Moses getting up heaven. 
He goes, please, can I go in? Please, can I go in? And he says, okay, I'll let you go down with Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses come down at the transfiguration. He said, I get to get in the promised land. He kept on asking till I think he was in heaven. And God said, okay, you can go down with Elijah. And he went into the promised land. He did not quit. He, he wanted to see what God had promised his people. Now, this is a key. Do you want to see what God has promised his people, the greatest revival the earth has ever seen? Do you want to see it more than you want to see your house? More than you want to see success? You want to see the promises of God come to pass. And, and Reuben, I just felt like God said, he's putting his heart on your heart tonight. He's putting his heart on your heart tonight to see the promises of God for your people. And I felt like God said, I'm putting fire over you and I'm causing you to come under a greater anointing of authority and you're going to start shattering limitations. And the Lord said, but I start with you and then I start with everybody around you. And the Lord said, I'm breaking off even things. He said, well, I'll be blessed to this level, but I won't do that. And the Lord said, I don't agree with you. You're going to another level in Jesus' name. And this is not the last level. I felt there was two more levels coming. Lord, we just release it in Jesus' name. Some of you are about to step into a river of anointing and you're going to be carried into things that are supernatural. Things will just start happening at a level you've never experienced before. You're going to start seeing anointing come into your hands and through your words and people are going to be changed by what you say. It's going to be incredible, the anointing that's coming over the body of Christ that literally... When, when we start to speak and move, it's like Jesus has reign to move through us because we've emptied out ourselves. We're asking for more. Everybody say more. more. One of the things that Jabez said, he said, I'm asking you to enlarge my territory. So I want you to ask right now, just say to the Lord, enlarge my territory. Give me my town, my state, this nation. Continents. I'm going to tell you, do you know that our dad owns this whole earth? He's into real estate big time. Some of you should own it because it's part of your inheritance. Own a good chunk of it because the meat shall inherit the earth. And I really believe there are real estate deals coming down because it's a favor of God on God's people. How many of you are looking for a house or land right now? Just put up your hand right now. Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to release the blessing of Abraham because Abraham walked on land he didn't live in, but he possessed it for people beyond him. So we're the seed of Abraham. How many know his seed has Israel, after it was lost, they still get it. So I say, anything in your family line that's been lost in land and houses, you're like the seed of Abraham claiming it. You're going to take in the promises. You're going to take land. You're going to be a blessing to the land. And, and you know, it says the whole earth groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. God gave Adam dominion over land, fruit, animals. We were supposed to have land. We are not renters. We are owners because our father is into real estate big time. I, and just say this, I am the seed of Abraham, so land comes to me.
Buildings come to me. My father's into real estate. And I'm asking for more. Now think about that. Think about that. And claim it even for your seed. In Jesus' name. Okay, here we, I don't know where we're going here with this. Uh, I don't know why I even look at my notes. But let me just say this to you real quick. I want you to, I want, I want to make, these are some declarations in the back of this book. I want you to say this. I was created by you, Father God, to win. Sin brought loss, but I was born again to win again. Now, think about this as you confess it. Father God, I thank you for empowering me. In my destiny assignments to release victories for others. Do you know that God will send you to people that need a victory and you're the one that will help host it for them? And because you go, they get a victory from heaven. Think about this one for a while. I was formed by your genius to fit my destiny. A life of success, influence, and purpose. Now, I'm going to just tell you a story. There, uh, I don't know if some of you know, ever heard of Bishop Harry Jackson. But he's an African-American pastor, a lot of influence, uh, a prophet to... He was very prophetic to T.D. Jakes. He had a lot of influence. He was invited to by Trump, President Trump, to be there in a meeting. And on Easter Friday, he, he was caught up and they said, President Trump wants you to come in and pray for Easter Friday. And he went and he stood and he prayed. And after the cameras went off, President Trump looked at him and said, you're not intimidated by me, I can tell. And he said, no, President. He said, actually, I went to college to be in business, but the Lord captured me for ministry, so I'm very comfortable with your world. As he told me this story, I said, Bishop, do you realize what just happened? He's listening. I said, anyone who's intimidated by President Trump he will never ask their advice because they're already compromised. If you are intimidated by somebody, you are already manipulated by fear of inferiority. Don't you ever let somebody else's success intimidate you because you just lost your voice. Now, I honor their success, but I will not be intimidated because my relationship with Father God ranks Second to nothing. You are connected with the force of the universe. Why are you acting like what people have makes you less important? And really, all it does is deal with your inferiority that Jesus wants you to be delivered from. And I said to him, Bishop, I'm going to tell you what happens. Because you were not intimidated, you have capital to spend in a future meeting, and your voice will be used. So I'm driving three months later, and the Lord, and we would talk off and on. Actually, he's passed away, and he's in heaven now. So, so I can tell the story. So I call him up. The Lord says, call him up. I said, 
Bishop Harry Jackson, I said, I feel like you're about to have a Joseph moment. He was in Dallas. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I feel because you're like Pharaoh. When Joseph was called forth out of the pit, he interpreted the dream, but he knew that if he stopped talking, he could not talk unless Pharaoh asked him to. So what he did, he interpreted the dream, and then he told Pharaoh, he said, if I was you, I would choose the wisest man in your kingdom. And then he says, and I'd ha he should gather up fruit, all the harvest for seven years, for the seven years of famine, then feed the world. So he didn't just interpret a dream. He told Pharaoh what he should do. He didn't say, I'm the wisest man, but nobody else knew the dream. He didn't point at himself, but he, then he had a plan. Listen, if you have a dream without a plan, you're not a Joseph. Joseph then, he got a plan. And so what happens is, I did not know he was driving and he was going into a meeting with President Trump that five minutes later, I called him five minutes before he was going into that meeting. Now, how many of you know, everybody say influence. You may not meet the president, but you could influence people who do. I also have an influential relationship with another man who's meeting with President Trump even in the last month. Because influence is part of life's economy. You don't have to be next to people, but if you have influence, how many of you know you were influenced by Jesus? So what happened was when that Dallas meeting, I get done with my meeting, I see on YouTube, President Trump is pushing back from the table. He was president then. And he said, well, I guess we're done. And how many of you know when President Trump is done, he leaves? He don't look back, people yell stuff. But there in the corner, six feet away, was Bishop Harry Jackson. And he cleared his throat and said, President, there's one thing I'd like to say. Now, because President Trump remembered he was not intimidated, he said, well, what do you have? See, because you honor, but you're not intimidated, you have a voice with people who have influence. Are you following me? I'm, I'm trying to teach some of you because some of you are going to come into opportunities to help other people fulfill their destiny. And, and he said, President Trump, and then we're talking about the racial problems. He said, I'm tired of people blaming you for the racial problems that started 400 years ago. So he gets his attention. Now he's going to instruct him about empathy. And he makes a couple other remarks, but he said, you know, my wife had cancer, a, like racial problems, cancer. He said, every time I tried to give her the right answer, it was always wrong. All she wanted was compassion and understanding. She didn't want the right answer. What was he saying to President Trump? People don't want the right answer. They don't want you to say, I'm not prejudiced. They want to see compassion. And the news, the news, the liberal news did not pick it up, but President Trump after that reached out to several African-American families that had lost young boys to violence, and he showed compassion. Why? Because he was not intimidated, number one. Number two, because I encouraged him to step forward like Joseph. And number three, because he did it. Now this is the deal. You may look and say, well, who am I? But you don't know who you have influence with. But people are watching you, and when they sense the life of God, the love of God, the wisdom of God, and the honor you have for them, 
but you're not intimidated. Your voice can touch people that go places you will never go, but Jesus will go because you help them. Does that make sense to you? And some of you don't know this, but your words of encouragement could actually cause people to change people that will never, never, you'll never meet, but what you encourage them in encourages them to fulfill their destiny. Now, if you're only concerned about fulfilling your destiny, you're not a person of destiny. Your destiny is to help other people make theirs. Does that make sense? And if you help other people to see themselves the way the Father does, you will help them catapult in the future. But this is the only requirement. Before you can help them see the, see the way the Father sees them, you have to see how the Father sees you. You cannot give to somebody else what you don't know exists. And so you have to have an intimate relationship with Father God that when you, when, that when they, you talk to them, they actually believe and you transfer it. Does that make sense to you?